Hi, and welcome back to Spatulas and Speculations. I am your unofficial Professor Lily, and this is the unofficial SJM 101. Today, we are going to continue the conversation we had started last week on Asriel, and if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you don't necessarily need to listen to this week's episode, but if you want the whole rounded thing, you know, just pause, listen, come back, and join again. We started the character deep dive of Azrael. Today we're going to be discussing his powers, his siphons, his spying, his spies, truth teller, his shadows, what shadow singing is. We're going to be discussing theories that I have on him. We're going to talk about question, canon questions that I have for Azrael's character going forward. We're going to discuss the things that Sarah has said about Azrael in interviews and just general, you know, character deep dive chaos, which is kind of, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's probably the most fun because I like just hyper-focusing on things. That being said, this episode probably will be really long. I tried to get all of my notes as clean and concise so that we can just like breeze through it all, but there's so much to go through and I genuinely do not want to put you guys through like a three-part episode. <sighs> so we're just gonna, we're just gonna see it might be long. It might be a long one today. So if you're into that, good. I also want to say thank you for all of the very positive feedback I had gotten last week. I was in a mood. I, I was so sad for Azriel last week. I'm not sad for him. Well, I am still sad for him, but like I have a lot of like fun questions and we're going to get to see him in, in a different light. His past and his personality is very sad, but we're not talking about that this week, so I won't be sad. But thank you so much for everybody who reached out and for the people who understood the stuff that I was talking about, you know, I just, thanks. I just want to say thanks. And before we keep going, before we actually get into the episode, I got to do my disclaimers. I do not speak for Sarah and I don't speak for Bloomsbury. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. These are my notes. I might miss things. I'm human. I could misinterpret things. That's totally valid. I try to give you as much context around the things that I'm talking about. So there's that. Second of all, there will be SJM universe spoilers in this episode. Um, Azrael is one of those characters who there's got, there's a lot going on with him in the background and he ties to a lot of things and there's a lot of questions around him. So a lot of our theories and questions and stuff are going to tie to other things in the SJM universe and the context around that you're not going to understand unless you've finished all of the books. The third thing is I mess up when I say stuff sometimes. It happens and I'm sorry and I'm sorry that I say I'm sorry and that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> but let's get into it. So... <laughs> Asriel. Wow. Lots of questions. Lots of half-answered things around him. I just, I want to like, I want to like sit down with him and be like, dude, dude, not even him, Sarah, Sarah and him. Like if I could have Sarah there next to him, like them sitting across like from a booth from me and we're just like sharing a plate of French fries and we can just kind of like discuss everything like, about his shadows, and about where they came from, and shadow singing, and, like, his family, and just everything about him, I just, like, desperately, because, as you're gonna see, there's a lot of things that we learn, but lo not a lot that we know, and somehow those are two different things, and that's the best way that I can explain it, and if that's confusing, welcome to this episode, I'm afraid. <laughs> but let's get into it. 
Let's start with his siphons and his powers outside of Shadow Singing. So we're going to talk about his Illyrian stuff first because that's easier and more tangible to understand and we'll get into the more confusing stuff next. Siphons were originally only supposed to go to pure-blooded Illyrians. They were meant to be bred for their power, to create a well of power. Asriel and Cassian and Reese are considered bastards, but I kind of think, and because we know this, I don't think Asriel is a bastard of blood, but rather just a bastard out of wedlock. His father is a pure-blooded Illyrian lord, I mean, his mother is an Illyrian, but, um, she, we don't really know her pedigree. Ugh, e ugh, ugh I, I hate this conversation. Just, like, it's making my skin crawl. Um, but I think it's kind of safe to say that some of Azrael's power can be attributed to his bloodline. Not all of it, because as we know, Azrael and Cassian are the most powerful Illyrians in history. So it's not just their bloodlines, but I think that his bloodline does attribute to his well of power that he has. And with this well of power and with his blue siphons, he can create shields, arrow. We know that this bright light of, they call it undiluted raw killing power, but they don't really describe what that power is, where it comes from. We don't even learn how they make their siphons, just that they get them. <laughs> just that they get them. They don't, wh where they come from, how they're made, we don't know. I kind of thought that in Akasif we were going to learn quite a lot about Illyrians. Um, we didn't, and I hold Nesta accountable for that because she was the one who didn't want to hang out in Illyria, which fine, fair, but also I think if we had stayed in Illyria for some, at least some training, we might have learned, like, maybe we'd have seen someone getting a siphon for the first time or just something like that, but we never do. But these siphoned power, light power, can melt through bone and can make an incinerating wall. We also know that they can make a, make bindings or handcuffs. And we also know that these siphons, or the siphons, I don't know how to explain it because it's not glamour and it's not, I wouldn't even say pocket realm because I don't think Cassian can use the pocket realm. I think Az can, but I don't know if that's because he's Az. Um, but their siphons can somewhat disappear. When Farrah first meets them, Cass and Az always have two on their hands, but their other five aren't always visible, and they can kind of call them back to their body at will. And when they do that, they t so they tap on their siphon and armor appears like second skin. We see this in Akamath with Cassian when he goes to fight for Valaris when Hybern first breaks in. But on the conversation of glamoring and wherever they keep this, you know, second skin suit inside of their siphons, don't ask me how this works because I, I have, I sat in my chair with all my notes done and I was looking at all my notes and all my tab books and my notebooks. And I had my eyes closed and I was trying to be like Sherlock Holmes going into my mind palace trying to figure this out. I got nowhere, just so you know. I am unhelpful, I know. We also see it in Akasif. I think I have it written down here in a second, but it might be somewhere else. I don't know. We also know that this kind of glamoury ability might attribute to a power that 
isn't really talked about a lot. It wasn't actually talked about at all in Akasif, which... But in the A Court of Mist and Fury bonus chapter, Cassian glamours himself when he goes to the mortal realm to see Nesta to check if the queens had um, answered them. And he can glamour himself against humans. I'm not sure if they can do it against Faye, but this could attribute to some of Az's spying abilities that outside of his shadow singing abilities. So it could be a glamour, but I don't know. I really can't tell you. The other thing that Oz can do with his siphoned powers, his Illyrian power that is not just raw killing power is, I mean, shields, obviously, but also that he can make band-aids with them and he can make handcuffs with them. These do not hurt people. They're just like a web of light. And that's kind of, and it's it's so wishy-washy. It's so wishy-washy. It is not described. It is not detailed. <clears throat> very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. But we do know one of these things that Azrael does, or can do, I'm not sure if Cassian t- can do it or if it's just an Az thing. And if it is, then it goes hand in hand with the theory I have going on. But, and we'll talk about it in a second. Well, not in a second, in a little bit. But in Akawar 69, when Reese does his great display of power, it says this, To my left, Azrael siphons glowed, ready to unleash a blast to echo Rhysands. He might not be able to fight, but he could wield his power from here. And then in Akawar 70, it says this, Reese panted, his eyes a bit wild. The hit had been well placed, splitting the army in two. Azrael unleashed a second blast, blue light slamming into the now exposed flank, driving them further apart. This is when Reese does a massive misting, basically. And it kind of insinuates, because it says echo, that Azrael does something very similar. And we also know that in from Akamath that Cassian and Azriel both have are just shy of the amount of power that Reese has. I mean, just shy can be a pretty big chunk, but percentage wise, but they do have like considerable amount of power. And this blast that Azriel does, this doesn't even this doesn't tap him out with his siphon ability. He he still uses his siphons a little bit later. In the war, he, he says, trailing tendrils of blue flame were left in his wake. And that was after his big display that was mirrored Reese's. And we also know that Reese wasn't completely drained after this one big show of power. I mean, it was big. it was a big show of power. It took a lot out of them, but it didn't empty them, which is just mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling how powerful these men are. Whew, like chills. We also know that there's some form of telekinesis that Azriel can do with his power in the end of A Quarter Wings in Ruin when in Reese's POV, he's kind of like having a moment like, oh my goodness, we actually survived this. My mate's safe, my family's safe. And the boys are like, come on, time to join the party. Azriel floats a drink on a blue-tinged breeze. So it wasn't even his shadows. It It's kind of insinuating it was his siphon's ability we never see cassian do anything like that you know i'm kind of (laughs) wow that was a that was a pure intrusive thought that just started streamlining out of my mouth i'm kind of surprised 
<laughs> that Cassian never used his siphons in sex. <laughs> I'm really, I am. I'm genuinely surprised. Like, he seems like the kind of guy who would. But he didn't. We also know that Azriel creates a blue orb shield around him in the face of Breland at the end of Akasif. I don't, and it's kind of like he's blocking out the, I don't know if he could block out the influence of the crown of the shield, but it seems like that's what he was trying to do or to stop them from winnowing him. And Cassian just didn't like, he wasn't fast enough, but his siphons are described a few times, very similarly, almost always like to flame, but we know that they're cobalt blue. And it says this, they rippled like blue fire, they smoldered, they glimmer, there's a flare of blue light, they blaze, they glow, they gleam like a cobalt fire, they flare like a cobalt fire. And as I pointed out just a few seconds ago, he actually can create a blue flame. Uh, but that's, that's all we got on Azrael's siphons and his Illyrian powers, because as I said last week, as doesn't really, he doesn't like his Illyrian side. I'm, I'm surprised he even really uses his siphons as much as he does, to be honest. But I'm, I guess he probably has to, because if they don't, they go crazy, right? Or something like that. I feel like if anybody could like figure out how to finesse their raw killing power, because like they use the siphons to channel their power through and to create it to be more precise. If anyone could do it without a siphon, I feel like it could be Azriel if he tried hard enough just, I mean, he's, he's so determined. He's such, he's so determined. I love that about him. He's got a work ethic. But other than his siphoned power and not including, well, this is where it gets kind of murky. He also has other abilities and it's not really ever described if it's the same as his shadow singing. It kind of blends into his shadow singing, but I kind of have it in its own little category because it's just not really like described, not really whatevered. So we have the glamouring that he potentially could do and probably does. Then we also have um, that he could sense that Reese was back. And this kind of goes hand in hand to a theory we're going to talk about in a second or in a little bit at the end here. His gifts are considered dark gifts. That's the same with Amarin and once with more. Same with Reese. This, this term dark gifts. This is not told if it's his shadows. It's kind of alluded to, but it doesn't really say it, is that he creates a sound void around him and that silence leaks from him. Even his steps are silent when he lands, when he flies. So he can create or I, I don't like absorb sound. I, I really don't know how that works. If he creates like a shell around him or what, but he can basically mute things around him. It, it seems like it's just him. Unless, because when we see in Ak War, there's the scene when they go to rescue Elaine from Highburn. I think this is the greatest chapter or moment to see Asriel's powers in full-fledged work. And we're going to break it down into many different categories. We're going to talk a lot about that scene. But in the scene, he tells Elaine to be quiet when they're running through the, the camp. And I don't know if that's just because his powers were being so overworked and he had already worked so hard with his powers, you know, throughout the war and he was just tired. Or if it's just like he can silence himself, but he can't really silence other people. So if it is his shadows, then shouldn't his shadows be able to kind of muffle everybody else? Unless it's just a him thing that he can do. It's not described, it's not talked about, but there is that. 
multiple times Farrah flinches having not heard him move throughout things so like I, I don't know he's also considered a skilled tracker interesting <laughs> and they don't really they kind of half allude to maybe it's his shadows that give him this ability to track people but maybe it's something else nobody ever asks him questions because why would they do that why would you ever want to get to know someone you've been around with for 500 years that would be insanity i know maybe i'm just like I'm too nosy, apparently, for the inner circle, because I would be like, let's talk about your shadows, Az. Like, this seems really cool. I want to know more about you. But they're like, no, we'll live with this stranger for 500 years. Sounds good to me. He can tell if someone is watching him. Again, not said if it's his shadows or not. Just says that Az knows when someone's watching him. In Aquar 52, he he says to Reese, two dozen guards, Reese murmured to Reese a glance at Elaine and Lord Grayson and his father, Lord Nolan. How on God's greenest earth does he know this? Don't know. Doesn't say. When he goes to the human realms, most of the time his shadows aren't with him. And in this scene, they're not really mentioned. Were they just skittered around and coming back to him? Maybe, but it's not shown. So how does he know these things? Again, I have a theory on this that most people are going to be like, you're insane, but I think it's true. We'll talk about it in a second, but I just want to point it out before we go into theory mode. And then again, with his silence thing, he, there's like one time in Akasif where he lets his footsteps sound solely to tell Cassian that he was home. And that was not normal. Like he normally just like kind of fades around and he only wanted Cassian to know that he was home, but he didn't want to talk. So that's why he let his footsteps be heard. So like I said, it's really hard with Azriel because it's never described what is his shadow singing ability, what is not his shadow singing ability. One of these things that kind of gets up in the air is his ability to winnow. And this is a good branch between the shadow singing conversation. In Akamath 26, it says that he vanished he does let Reese winnow him at times, and Farah wonders if it drains him to do winnowing, but honestly, I don't know if that's true, because he is able to winnow from Perithian to across the continent and still be able to do other stuff during his day. I honestly don't know. And he can, so he can travel to and fro to the mortal kingdoms, I feel like, and I, I couldn't, I didn't find it, I probably should have, I feel like when Reese is first talking to Vera about winnowing, he says it depends on your reserve of power for how far you can go. Azriel literally travels, like, across oceans in his winnowing. That, uh, it's, he, he's so, uh, and it drives me crazy. Nobody asked him. Nobody asked him. How did you figure that out? How did you, did you just fall through a rift in the world? Hmm? Hmm? Like, how did you figure out you could winnow? I, gen <clears throat> Do these people even know each other? I mean, honestly, does Reese and Cassian actually know who Azriel is? Does Azriel actually know who Reese is? Does Reese actually know who Cassian is? Like, it, there's, I put the, you can't see my fingers, but I'm, I'm making little air quotes. They're so respectful of each other. They're like, I didn't ask because I didn't want to push them. Like, after 500 years, you didn't ask. You literally grew up with this boy. They were 11 years old when they got, like, was Azriel already winnowing at 11 and he just never told 
them how it happened? Like, I don't think so. I feel like he probably learned how to winnow when he was older and he didn't just immediately, like, go talk to Reese and be like, hey, I know you can winnow. Like, I did this thing. Is it the same? And, like, talking about how it happened. Reese, babe, come on now. He's supposed to be your brother and yet you... <clears throat> same could be said for Cassian. Cassian, babe. Sweetheart. Beloved. Monsieur, grab the headboard. You can get that personal with Nesta, but you can't ask your brother of 500 years what he's got going on, how he does the things he does. I feel like that should just be polite dinner conversation between them at this point. Last week I was sad. This week I'm crabby. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he later will, in Akamath, he carries Reese and Cassian to Highburn. So why does he need Reese to widow him at one time? Awesome, I don't know. Um, thanks, Sarah. It says he moves through the world. This is theory. This is theory. So in Akwar 64, it says, But we were gone. Azriel's dark breeze was different from Reese's. Colder, sharper. It cut through the world like a blade, spearing us towards that enemy camp. In Akafast 3, Cassian says not winnowing, though that would have been one hell of a weapon against the enemies in battle, he had seen Reese do it with devastating results, as too, in that strange way that As can move through the world without technically winnowing. He never asked, and Azriel certainly had never explained. He never explained because you didn't ask. Why would he just randomly, like, oh my god, I, I can't. So anyways, I, here's, this is a theory. So, I just want to get it out here now because I, I, don't, I want to, because we're talking about it. My theory is, is that I think that there might be a shadow realm in one of the 26 realms we learn about in A Court of Silver Flames, chapter 13. I think one of them is a shadow realm. If that's true, and it's one of the realms in between the worlds, is he creating like a rift in the shadow realm? This goes hand in hand with another theory that I have of Asriel of what a shadow singer is. Is he basically creating mini rifts and is like cutting through the, like, like the term cutting through the world really feels like, like rips of the fabric of the word, like of the realms. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but in my head, it makes sense. So he's cutting through it, cutting through the world. Whereas with winnowing, they describe it as folding the the realms the world and stepping but he cuts through it instead i'm genuinely thinking that asriel is creating little mini rifts in the shadow realm and going to and fro because when nesta in akasif 32 nesta says asriel didn't give them a chance to exchange another word before murmuring shadows swept around them Nesta couldn't help but cling to Asriel, gleaning on some innate level that if she let go, she would tumble through the, this space between places and be lost forever. This space between places. And I genuinely think he's creating rifts in the word or the shadow realm or in the world. He's cutting through the, a realm, basically. There's a few more examples of uh, what it's described as when he winnows. In Akwar 19, it says, shadow rippled across the courtyard, cutting her off, and it wasn't Resand who landed between us, but I sent another 
and then this is Reese talking. I sent another pretty face for you to admire, Reese said. Not as beautiful as mine, of course, but a close second. As the shadows wreathing him cleared, Azriel sized up Nesta and Cassian and threw a vaguely sympathetic look in my direction. I need to start our lesson early. A piss-poor lie, but I said, all right, no problem. Then in, in Act War 32, it says, this is another time that it's described him winnowing, Azriel's coming down from the roof. Reese said to none of us in particular, leaning against the archway into the sitting room, and crossed his arms. And as if he had summoned him, as stepped out of a pocket of shadows by the stairs, and scanned us from head to toe, his eyes lingering on the blood crusting at Reese's hands. Then in Akwar 63, it says he stepped out of a shadow. And then in his own words, in the Azrael bonus chapter, it says, Azrael winnowed into the shadows. So I'm literally thinking... Like, when it says he stepped out of a shadow, it's like like the pocket realm, kind of, but shadow realm, and he's just manipulating it. And that will make sense when I talk about what shadow singers are, and that's what we're going to do right now. I tried to break these sections, section it up so we could kind of digest the information in more clearer cut ways, but it's really hard to do that, so it's kind of like, there's a little bit of mixy in here, but... For the most part, we're going to talk about shadow singing, but we're not really going to talk about his shadows quite yet. We're going to talk about them next. So it's like we're kind of mixing. It's kind of a mixing pot, but we're trying to keep our ingredients a tiny bit separate. But eventually they're going to make a cake. OK, so we learned that shadow singers are likened to Dimeni and they are coveted by other courts. Therefore, there are other shadow singers out in the universe. There have been in history. There probably will be more to come. Shadow singers are rare, but we've seen quite a few of them in the past. I want you to keep this term likened to Demeti kind of locked in the back of your mind, and when you hear some of the stuff that, that Azriel does, I want you to keep this the Demeti power in mind, because I think, think something's up with it. So he can hear and feel what others can't, okay? This is kind of a broad spectrum statement that never is described even in the Azrael bonus chapter where we do see him, and we'll talk about it in a second, uh, him and his shadows, but it's not really described. In Akamaf 16, when we first meet him, Farah starts to... starts questioning the shadows around him. In Akmaf 16, she says, they fell quiet again, Azriel's gaze now considering. He hadn't told his story. Did it ever come up? Or did they never discuss those burns on his hands? And what did the shadows whisper to him? Did they speak in a language at all? So this is when we start getting the questions about what is a shadow singer? What is he hearing? How is he hearing? And can he talk to them? Again, keep in mind the Dementi power. In Akamath 28, it says, and this is in Reese's perspective, in the centuries I'd known him, he had said little about his life, those years in his father's keep locked in darkness. Perhaps the shadow singing gift had come to him then. Perhaps he had taught himself the language of shadow, wind, and stone. <clears throat> his half-brothers hadn't been forthcoming either. I knew because I'd met them asked them and had shattered their legs when they had spat on Azrael instead. They walked again, eventually. There's so much to unpack just in this little thing, and I'm not gonna, I just, oh, there's so much to unpack here. Azrael doesn't know where his shadow singing abilities come from. At least he's unsure, because he was there 
when Reese was questioning his brothers, half-brothers, I wouldn't even consider them brothers, was, con- was questioning his father's boys. If Azrael knew, if Azrael had, he might have an inkling. He might know around the time when they came to him, but he probably doesn't know what triggered it or why. But in a way, I kind of think he might also know because of the way he talks about what a shadow singer is, and we'll talk about it in a second. It just, this is one of those times, and I kind of, and I did have, I do have a TikTok of me like slamming my head against a wall when I'm, when I was thinking about this. Not literally, but I did smack my head with the book. Azrael was there when Reese asked them. So, for whatever reason, Reese and Az on a Tuesday afternoon were like, let's go torture your half-brothers and see what information they know for funsies. Kind of sounds like that's what, what happened. We don't know when it happened. We don't know the context around it. We do know that they ended up walking again eventually. We know a little bit of context clues that Azrael has done something that not the act itself freaked Reese out, but the way that Azriel did the act freaked him out because he did it with such calm, cold rage. That makes it seem like his half-brothers are no longer existing. But it wasn't this time. So it's not, I just, things I'd love to question them about on like what they've done. So we know it's a language. At least we know that. We know it's a language or something like that, but they don't know where it came from. They've asked around. They don't know. I think it's kind of wild that there are other shadow singers in the world and none of them have written down, discussed, have a group, you know, chat, Perithian group chat of like shadow singers anonymous, you know, discussing it but they apparently nobody decided to write it down nobody decided to do a biography i bet maybe helian has something about it but why would azriel talk to helian when he hates helian <laughs> i don't think he hates helian i think he's just jealous of him sometimes in akamath 42 it says we searched but the mist arrows had been snatched up by our attackers and even the shadows and wind told cassian nothing as if our enemy had been hidden from them as well. We later learn, I want to keep, I want to talk about the shadows and wind, but I, I almost want to save it for the theory part, but I'm like, oh, maybe, I kind of, the way she says, even the shadows and the wind, as if they're two separate things that are talking to him, interesting, but that's all I got to say on that. In Aquar 69, it says, find wherever he kept the cauldron and stop it. My shadows are hunting for it, Azriel said, reading my face as I opened my eyes. His jaw clenched at the words. He was supposed to have been searching for it himself. He flared and settled his wings as if testing them. So we do know that his shadows, it can work without him being present so that he can kind of get them to do his, I wouldn't say bidding, because it seems like very master slavish, which I do not think is their relationship at all. But so his shadows are hunting for it. He, you know, to be fair, this is just a thought that just popped into my head. To be fair, he could have been talking about like Cardwin and Nula. He could have been talking about them because I have a whole section. I, it's kind of small in this episode, but I do in my notes, my show notes, I do have a whole section and I 
made sure to note every single time that his spies and whatever were mentioned, and they are real people. They're not just shadows. I, I don't know if he can employ shadows as well or what, but this little phrase always just like kind of itches me right here in Aquawar 69, just my shadows are hunting for it and he's there. <clears throat> Oh my goodness, I'm so dumb. So in Aquar 70, it says, a glamour of invisibility would hopefully allow us to skirt the southern end of the battlefield along with Azrael's shadows as he monitored from behind. Now, it's not just told if that is Farrah doing the invisibility. It's not said if it was Amran doing the invisibility. It's not said any of that. But we, like I said earlier, Cassian was able to be invisible. And then Azrael's shadows were monitoring behind them monitoring what how Ugh, i don't know in Akfast 7 in reese's perspective he says a corner of azriel's mouth curled up the shadows about him sliding over his neck like living tattoos twins to the illyrian ones mark beneath his leathers shadows different from anything my power summon spoke to born in a lightless airless prison meant to break him instead he had learned its language Though the cobalt siphons were proof that his Illyrian heritage ran true, even the rich lore of that warrior people, my warrior people, did not have an explanation for where the Shadow Singer gifts came from. They certainly weren't connected to siphons, to the raw killing power most Illyrians possessed and channeled through the stones that kept them from destroying everything in its path, the bearer included. In this scene, Reese does call his own power shadows, but he says that they're different. And that reminds me, kind of similar to Rune and Cormac's, and we'll talk about that maybe, maybe in this episode, but I might save it for something else. I don't know. We'll see. Again, in this chapter in Reese's POV, he says, I studied the tenseness in Azrael's shoulders, the shadows veiling half of him from the sunlight. So they can be in the sunlight, but sometimes they can't be. I wonder if it's just direct sunlight because they are indoors. Nothing, absolutely nothing on that face, on his scent. The shadows, whatever the hell they were, hid too well, too much. So not only can Azriel be silent, but he also hides his scent as well, which is something that Rune can't do, which I said I wasn't going to talk about it, and then I talked about it. So Reese is likening again shadow singing to his ability so first we get the Demeti and the shadow singers being likened and now we get his powers sort of he says they're different but he does call his own power shadows when reese uses and i, I want to talk more in depth in a little bit but when reese uses his abilities his more darker abilities he turns ice cold cold to the touch it's cold in one of the in the scenes in the scene where he has a nightmare and Farrah goes to like wake him up she's like says that her, she can see her breath clouding and then once he's awoken up and his like shadows clear he i think they even call it shadows in that moment it warms up again when Azriel is using mostly his shadow singing abilities he's ice cold he's cold to the touch and we'll talk about it more in a, in a little bit. So again, there's just another, like, another mention of, like, them being likened together throughout this. So we don't get any answers to what is a shadow singer, why is a shadow singer, and how is a shadow singer. But we do know 
that shadow singing is something that he claims he is. It is a title. I kind of think like, I want to say like similar to like the High Lord title. It's a title, but it's also a power and a gift. It's something that you are. Shadow singing is likened is like that. The way he talks about what it is to be a shadow singer in the bonus chapter when he's talking to Gwen, she asks, do you sing? Is that why they call you the shadow singer? And he says, I am a shadow singer. It is not a title that someone just made. It's not, what he's trying to say is it's not a nickname. It's not something to be tossed around. It's something that I am. It's like blood. It's like something in his innate being. He is a creature shadow singer, kind of. It is his race of person, shadow singer. There are other shadow singers out there. I want to talk about my theories on how he got his shadows, and we're going to do that in a bit, but one of my theories is that, as I, you know, kind of redundant, but he, in Akamath, right before they're trying to decide who goes to the prison. He says, Ezreal just shook his head. I'll go. The prison sentries know me. What I am. Again, like, I am this. This. I don't know how to, like, explain it other than just, like, stressing tenses of words. And I hope you can kind of get the context of that. But, like, it's it's a thing that you are. I am a celiac. <laughs> I, I am a celiac. That means I can't eat wheat or gluten. It's something that I am. You know, that's kind of how I'm, that's kind of how I'm seeing it, you know? And so I like genuinely think that like he, like he's a shadow. And we'll talk about it in a second, but his shadows are described. They say that they wrap around him, that he is a dark hive in which they flew and returned, that wisps of shadows curled around his ear, and as he glares to Farah, like, they curl around his ears, and then he, they're telling him that she's looking at him, and he, like, kind of, like, mm, at her in Akamath 16. And in Akamath 16, he also says, we have company, Azriel's soft warning, wings again spread a bit as he herded them through the open balcony doors to the dining room. I could have sworn tendrils of darkness swirled in their wake. More patted Azriel on the shoulder as she dodged his outstretched wing. This kind of term, um, swirled in their, in the wake of his wings actually gets something that happens with Reese and is imprinted, hinted at with Rune, interestingly enough. I made a, like, bullet-pointed um, every time his shadows are mentioned, like, and what they're doing. So I'm just going to run through this list and maybe it'll spark something for you. They wreathe his neck and wrist near a window, comfortably ensconced in shadows. They trail him. In Akamath 22, Farah says, those shadows that whispered to him, stroking my neck, my cheek, so they can touch other people. They're, they're, they're tangible. He does leave them to go to the human realm, so he's not always just, like, bound to them. He uses them to try and break into the human queen's palace. Doesn't really explain how he uses them, but he does, and they fail. Even the shadows shuddered in his wake. Do all shadows bend to his will? Or, and can he use normal shadows to, can he manipulate, like, are his shadows different? 
are there only a finite number of his shadows or can he kind of use other shadows and like bend them to his will glamour them to his will in Aquar 17 this is where I kind of get the idea of glamouring is he said and then pointed his fork at Azrael don't try and blend it into the shadows you said the same thing he did not more said and the shadows that Azrael had indeed been subtly weaving around himself vanished it's my conclusion that Azriel's shadows, again, think of Demetti, will a person to look the other way. Like, he's there, but your eye kind of, like, gets forced to turn just a little bit. Like, they're willing you to look to the side of him. That's how I'm seeing it, because... Yes, sometimes he can be invisible. Yes, sometimes he is a shadow. But other times he's sort of just like blended backwards. Like he's corporeal. He's there. But your your brain is playing tricks on you. That's how I'm seeing it. That I just want to like, I just want to like, I keep like theory mode, theory mode, theory mode. I'm like, Lillian, canon, canon, canon. We'll talk about theory in a second. We learn that the shadows, back to my bullet pointing, shadows skitter in the wake of him landing on the ice. They curl over his shoulder and whisper in his ear as he stares down at Iris. They ring around his fingers, wreathed in shadows by the door as he laughed. Near a window, shadows fluttering around him, shadows perched on his shoulders, wafting from him and trailing his feet. Are they coming out of him? We don't know. Doesn't say. They gather around him. They coil at his fingers. They slide over his neck. Again, the living tattoos. They're likened to the Illyrians, which are swirls and whirls. They gather around his wing. They trail off of him. They are twinning and whispering. Darkness curling at his shoulders. They float off of him like smoke. In Akam Sif 8, Azriel said coolly, I don't need to resort to threats. The shadows curled around him like snakes ready to strike. When he laughs, they skitter, they swarm him, they writhe around his ankles and neck, they slither over his wings. In Akasif 21, it says, Nesta saw the blow land like an physical impact in Elaine's face, her posture. No one spoke, though shadows gathered in the corners of the room like snakes preparing to strike. In Akasif 23, it says, this is, like, the cutest freaking thing in the universe. This is, like, I think about this and, like, it warms my heart. Like, I I want you to think about this when you're, like, feeling a little down and you need, like, a little pick-me-up. Just think about this cute little freaking shadow. In Acts of 23, it says, I thought I'd do some light training myself before heading out for the day, as said, his shadows lingering in the archway as if fearful of the bright sun in the ring. I'm not interrupting, am I? Then a little further down says, a shadow curled around Az's neck. The only one brave enough to face the sunlight. They're so cute. <sighs> and then it says they gather at his, sh- at his shoulders. In Akasif 34, it says the air parted and Azriel peered at his heels, unsteady and bobbing but flying. Darkness rose behind them. Confirmation that Az wielded his shadows to hide their captives. Then it goes on to say, again in bullet point, trailing from his shoulders, shadows swirling, wreathed his wings, shadows dance, they gathered at his feet. Now, if we use the context clues of 
or how I think that Sarah uses likeness as foreshadowing. Azriel's shadows are likened to serpents and snakes, which is kind of interesting considering that Azrael's serpentine scale-like armor, but we'll talk about if they're sentient or not at the very end because Sarah actually comments on that. But I think the best way to talk about his shadows is in Az's own words throughout the bonus chapter. Now, I spliced up the bonus chapter, so we're not talking about ships, even though there's a lot of ship stuff in it. But in the Az bonus chapter, he says, Az snickered to himself and listened to the shadows around him. Sleep, they seemed to whisper in his ear. Sleep. I wish I could, he answered silently. But sleep so rarely found him these days. But even the silence weighed too heavy, and though the shadows kept him company, as they always had, as they always would, he found himself leaving the room and entering the foyer. Then again, a little further down, lie. Well, the second part was a lie. He didn't need his shadows to read her tone, the slight tightening of her face. So that's what these shadows really tell him. They're keeping an eye out. They're telling him what their tone are. They're telling her, like, him what their faces are doing, which I think is really interesting. He says he pulled a small velvet box from the shadows around him, which I think is interesting if they, again, is it a realm? Is it the pocket realm? What's he doing? His shadows whisper into his ear that Elaine had gone upstairs. And then just really briefly, the last thing that Az kind of says about his shadows in that bonus chapter that I want to bring out is that his shadows seem to have sight. They peer over his wings and then he calls them curious shadows which i think is so freaking cute it's so cute i want to talk about the language of the shadows i want to talk about what's happening here and where we can kind of see it throughout other places in the books not just in the bonus chapter i think that Azriel's shadows are sentient i also think that probably means disappointing i know but at least we have the siphons in play there won't be any shadow play because it kind of gets into a weird um, thing of consent and Azriel himself when he like, not say for work warning, when Az pleasures himself, as he talks about in the bonus chapter, he does it when his shadows are sleeping. So his shadows also sleep. So they are sentient. I mean, for sure they're sentient. So I don't think we're going to get any shadow play because then it goes into like the conversation of like consent and like kind of weirdness. I think in my opinion, and some of you might be like, you're going a little too hard, Lillian, but I think, I think safe to say we won't get any shadow play because they are sentient, but he does have his siphons that he can create handcuffs with, so we got that, okay? He can do little blue twingy phantom hand things, okay? I think it's safe to say if we're going to get anything, we still will get something. Now, in Akamath 29, when he's going to follow Moore and Cassian, they're going to go dancing at Rita's. It says this. It was an effort not to stare at Azriel as he watched them head up the street, arm in arm bickering with every step. The shadows gathered around his shoulders, like they were indeed whispering to him, shielding him, perhaps. His broad chest expanded and with a deep breath that sent them skittering, and then he sent into an easy, graceful stroll after them. So, Throughout the books, we get these little moments of, we can't hear them, but they're telling as something. I think as is talking to them as well throughout, like you'll see him when he's ensconced in the shadows, like they're hiving and buzzing around him. I think he's literally having conversations with them 
and this is where the, oh, I keep saying, keep in mind the Dimeni, keep in mind the Dimeni. I think it's mind to mind or something like that. I think it's literally like, I think, I think as is Dimeni <laughs> is what I should be saying. I think as is Dimeni or very like them. And I got proof and I want to talk about it. So here's the theory. And it kind of started in one place. It started because the idea came to me because I realized that there's a little bit of a gap of information in Akwar 26 when it comes to why, how Iris got to Hewen City. We know that Azriel left Valaris and went back to the Autumn Court to see what Lucian's brothers might have known, trying to just like spy out, gather if they told Byron about the flame power and the powers that Farah showed in the beginning of Akwar. okay? So in Akwar 26, it says this, Iris looked me over, the crown and dress. You didn't think that I knew your shadow singer would come sniffing around to see if I told my father about your powers, especially after my brothers so mysteriously forgot about them too. I knew it was a matter of time before one of you arrived to take care of my memory as well. Iris tapped the sides of his head with a long finger. Too bad for you. I learned a thing or two about Demetti. Too bad for my brothers that I had never bothered to teach them. Okay? So you would think, you would think Iris might be talking about Reese, but I went back through. And again, this could be a gap. This is theory. But he says this. In Akwar 21, Asriel, now off hunting for information on the Autumn Court, would be told when he returned that night. So, as is the one who goes, Reese is with Farah. In Akwar 27, it says, He yielded a step. Iris found Asriel. Our hands were tied. I made the best of it. His throat bobbed. I'm sorry. Reese was not in the Autumn Court. So, who was being the Demeti? Who was being the Demeti? erasing people's memories. And you're like, eh, little, it's a little bit of a stretch. Fine. But in Act War 35, it says this. Soon, Asriel or Reese would contact us soon with the all clear to widow into the summer court. Asriel or Reese. How would Asriel contact them? We know Reese did it through his Demeti powers. How would Asriel have done that if he didn't have one? And then again, in the bonus chapter, I read it once, but Azrael snickered to himself and listened to his shadows around him. Sleep, they seemed to whisper in his ear. Sleep. I wish I could, he answered silently. But sleep so rarely found him these days. And then there was that moment in when Farah first meets Az in Akamath 16. She says some innate buried instinct forced her to double check that her mental shields were intact. As if her gut reaction is he can get into her mind. I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't have like tons and tons and tons of stuff to just like say on it. But I genuinely think at least it's some like he might be he might not be like as powerful as Reese as a Demetti, but I think he is a Demetti. Like at least he can he might be able to just read like people's <laughs> auras maybe but again the erasing of a memory i went back through i could have missed something i will get i will grant anyone that i will say this is not perfect 
Reese might have in some time in this frame of window went went to the autumn court but it says that as like three times it says as was the one who did it as was the one who went who was talking to the brothers as was the one who was spying Reese could have I, I grant you that he could have maybe I missed something but I I swear I did some digging and I could not find an instance of Reese actually being the one to have gone so who was erasing people's memories that is the question and if as is somehow able to communicate to his shadows mind to like mind level <sighs> so i want to move into his spying because i think it's really important to look at Azrael as a whole he is he is a shadow singer but he is also other things he's the spy master it's considered a skill and his spying also is a team effort um and I made this detailed account of his spies, but we're not going to go through every single thing. But I just want to show you that they are real people that he employs. They send him paper reports and they are global. As also trains them and seems to be very personal with his spies. He knows them really well. He protects them. He stands up for them and he trusts them, which I think is really important because he doesn't trust Amran. There's a few people he doesn't trust that he, like, deals, like, lives with, basically. And these spies, he trusts on a very innate level. Again, actually, I do have a little bit more on the Dimeni thing. I forgot. In Akamath 41, it says, Azriel has taken to the sky, to the clouds to contact his spies. How is he contacting, like, how does he get their attention to, like, make sure they're in safe places? What, if it's mind to mind, that's pretty safe, if you ask me. In the war, he has skilled, they, he calls them skilled soldiers that he dispatches with him to go on recon. Like, basically, a t he, has a, he has a SEAL Team 6 team for us Americans. Like, he has a team of properly trained assassins, basically. And he fights in the war with them. I'm kind of hoping. So, you know how as in... <laughs> and Axif, he starts train. He has his own group of priestesses that he trains. I'm kind of hoping he ends up getting himself like a team of nuns, <laughs> like a team of like priestesses that he has spying for him, like his own little girl group, his little Charlie's Angels. Oh, I want that so bad. And that's all I want to say on the spice. Like, they're just people that he employs. They're never described. We don't see them aside from Carduin and Nula, but that's it. And even their spying stuff, we only see them spy around Amrin in the beginning of Akamath. As does seem to have let up on his weird distrust for Amrin after she comes back out of the cauldron. I think that he was just weary of her and wasn't sure if she was going to turn on them, which, I mean, technically she she did, so he was valid in that. But after that fallout had happened, he was one of the... Him and Varian were the ones who pulled her out of the cauldron. So I think that as saw her sacrifice, saw her love for them, and is now trusting and sees her as she is now and kind of has let go of whatever... Whatever... I wouldn't say it was like innate distrust but i think like i said he was just weary wary of her and just wanted to cover his bases around her which fair because like i said she kind of did betray them 
I have a category that I want to get into and it's kind of, it's just other, it's not theory, it's not question, but it's just things that he says and does that make me go, huh, oh, what? Not really what, but more of, hmm, interesting. So in Akamath 62, it says, Azrael scanned the room, the stairs we strode down, the cauldron its legs. I made to approach the dais, but he extended an arm into my path. Listen. And so we did. Not words, but a throbbing, like blood pulsed through the room, like the cauldron had a heartbeat. And then in Akamath 63, it says, As stepped out of a shadow, what is that? He hissed. My brows rose. You hear it. A shake of the head. No, but the shadows, the wind, they recoil. The cauldron sang again, distant withdrawing. I think as rides a very precarious line of other, um, there's like they, there's like a capital O other in Throne of Glass. I think that's where as falls. I think he is other. He is not made, but he kind of is. He can hear what the made people can hear. He can feel what the made people can feel, but he's not technically made. I'm not sure he could wield the trove with any, you know, precision or the cauldron, but he can feel the cauldron. He does, uh, he, he can, Reese couldn't, but he could kind of thing. I, I think, I think he's other. <laughs> I don't think he's holy of this world. I don't think he's holy of Perithian at all. And that goes into theory mode, but there is that. I want to point out, and this also falls in with Cassian because it's more of an Illyrian thing, but he is an Illyrian, so we'll talk about it. Yes, Cassian and I hail from a race of fairies called Illyrians. We are born hearing the song of the wind. This term, song of the wind, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before, but I'll just throw it in here because I think it's kind of important. In Koa 4, it says, Manon closed her eyes, listening to the hollow song of the wind. In House of Earth and Blood 31, with Hunt, it says, only the song of the wind to listen to. In Akasif 54, it says, Ataraxia sang the heart song of the wind as it whipped through the air. And it was kind of foreshadowed that... Nesta will probably ride a pegasus, wings flying, all of these people have flying, wingy, innate abilities. I'm gonna throw that in there. I'm just gonna toss it into the other category because it, it is other. <laughs> I forgot this, I put this in here for a fun little whatever. In Akamath 42, I'd actually like to do a whole, ep- like, a gag episode on this. Maybe I'll do it for, like, <laughs> April Fool's Day or something like that. But in Akamath 42, it says, Amron and Moore told me that the span of an Illyrian male's wings say a lot about the size of other parts. His eyes shot to mine, and then to the pine tree-coated slopes below. Did they now? I shrugged in his arms, trying not to think about the naked body that night all those weeks ago, though I hadn't glimpsed much. They also said that Azrael's wings are the biggest. I want to do an episode just breaking down wingspans <laughs> and see who has the biggest wingspans out of everybody. Because I kind of think it's Rowan. If you go by, like, body ratio to wingspan, I think it would be Rowan. Technically. And I'd love to do a whole episode just talking about wingspan just for shites and giggles. I want to go into theory mode. 
it's where I live. It's where I'm most comfortable. As you can tell through this whole episode, I'm like, my mind's constantly like trying to push myself into theory mode because that's just how I think and talk. I think that Asriel becomes a shadow. This is somewhat theory because it's not directly mentioned. And if that is what, like a shadow singer is also somebody who can, is, who is a shadow, is a shadow person, kind of like the wraiths. Um, I think that that's what it is. That, that's what it means. Like what I am, like when he's talking about the prison centuries, the prison centuries are the, nothing but a shadow of thought and an ancient spell. In Akawar, 27 it says Azrael shadows gathered close half veiling him from view again that could be the glamoring bit but it could be him becoming one and then in Aquar 52 it says Azrael kept a few steps away little more than the shade of one of the oak trees behind us invisible is he a shadow is it a shadow singing is it his Illyrian thing doesn't really say but in Aquar 56, it said, Azrael had lunged into the fray, nothing more than shadows edged in blue light, battling his way towards where Cassian fought, utterly surrounded. In Aquar 64, it says, Azrael silently faded into blackness until he was my own shadow and nothing more. Now, this is when they're in Highburn. In Aquar 65, it says, I couldn't see Azrael, but I could feel him. As the siphon paraded itself, as in Ianthe's jewel was a tether. He dwelled in every pocket of shadow, darting ahead and behind. A shadow gripped my shoulder, reminding me to run. Then a little further down it says, Azrael's shadow hand grasped my own, tugging me closer. His rage rippled off his invisible form. He smirked towards the shadows. I hope you can carry three, Shadow Singer. Azrael did not confirm that he was there or that he heard. I think it's interesting that Jurian could pinpoint him, but that's something to talk about with Jurian, as if we ever have a Jurian episode. Azrael emerged from the deep shadow in the corner of the tent. So he was literally in the shadows, and then he became corporeal again. And then, a little further down, it says... They didn't react to us, only peered into the hole. Azrael had made us invisible, shadow-bound. We sprinted between tents, feet flying over grass and dirt. Hurry, he whispered, the shadows won't last long. For in the east behind us, the sun was beginning to rise. A piercing howl split the, the dying night, and I knew they had realized what we had done, that we were here. And even though they couldn't see us, the king of Highburn's hounds could scent us. So again, it's not like... I you know, I mentioned it earlier. Can he hide a scent or can he not? It's not, is it only like if he has like a lot of reserve or if he's not stretching his shadows too thin? It doesn't say. But basically theory is, and somewhat canon, it's only half canon because it's only like it's implied, but it's not outright said that Azrael can become a shadow. Not living, not in the pocket realm. He's not gone. He's still in the world. <sighs> And he can only be in the shadow. So it's like, if there's light, he can't be there. So it has to be dark. So it's not, it's not quite a glamour, but it's something like else. My next theory is this. So to talk about Azrael, we have to also talk about Truth Teller because Truth Teller and Azrael are basically synonymous throughout the books. I'm not going to talk about Truth Teller in canon context today because I'd like to do a whole episode dedicated to weapons or to swords. 
and just kind of going on over like Narabin and Goldrin and Damaris and Gwydion and Starsword, I guess, technically, and like all those swords and Wind Cleaver and all of them and just kind of break it down, chart it out, just discuss them. So I'm only going to talk about Truth Teller in the context of my theory around Truth Teller and my theory around Azrael. I think this is high theory. This is super theory. This is deep theory, okay? And I know you all are going to roll your eyes on me because can I ever not mention the bone carver? No. Um, I'm obsessed with him. I love him. He's my favorite. I think Asriel might have made a blood oath with the bone carver. <sighs> Let's talk about it. This is, this is super vibes only. And it comes from Koa 7 with Gavin. It says that Gavin still honors the all-seeing one even in death. So to talk about this theory, you have to have listened and known my theory about the bone carver is also the all-seeing one, the sin eater, the truth god from Throne of Glass, who was the one who blessed Damaris. There's a whole episode dedicated to it. I love that episode. It's one of my favorites. It's my favorite topic. I could talk about the bone carver on and on and on in circles, loops, and, and, and dips and dives. I love him so much. Gavin gives off blood oathy vibes to me, to to the bone, to the, the all-seeing one. The all-seeing one, truth god, bless Damaris. Damaris can tell the truth. If Asriel made a blood oath to the bone carver, and the bone carver knew where truth teller was because he was the one who blessed it, and he is still honoring what he blessed, same as with Damaris, and we'll talk about it, that in a second. Truth teller, in theory, should be able to have similar properties of Damaris. Damaris could tell truth from lie when the user is holding on to it. Dorian, throughout all of Koa, kind of rest, keeps his hand, rests his hand on Damaris and is able to tell when people are telling the truth or lying to him. We see this with Azriel throughout the books. We see it when Eris comes to Hewen City. Azriel holds on to truth teller. Akwar 25, it says, at Azrael who reached for his dagger, truth teller, his every breath alert. Even as Azrael spoke, that frozen rage dulled his face, and Eris was wise enough to finally pale the sight. Perhaps that's why Eris had kept my knowledge of my powers to himself, not just for this sort of bargaining, but to avoid the wrath of, of sh the shadow singer, the blade at his side. Azrael's holding on to truth teller, the hilt of truth teller just resting at his hip, the whole time Eris is talking. Asriel is the one who brought Eris to Hewen City. He's the one who made the plan. He's the one, he, this is not a surprise to Asriel that Eris is there. And yeah, he's probably, maybe he's trying to be threatening. Maybe he doesn't know if he can handle himself. But I genuinely think he's just doing it because truth teller who tells the truth probably knows when someone's speaking the truth and he's trying to see if they can trust him. In Akwar 27, when Amran tells her life story, she says this, call off your dog, Amran said in that lethal tone, because the shadow in the corner behind Amran, that was Azriel, the obsidian hilt of truth teller in his scarred hand. He had moved without my realizing it. Though I had no doubt that the others likely had been aware, Amran bared her teeth at him. Azriel's beautiful face did not so much as shift. Yes. The idea is that if Gwydion Starsword could slay these big old beings, then so should Truth Teller. But I don't think they know that at this time. So I don't think that they know that Truth Teller could harm Amran in any way. I don't think that Asriel, though he doesn't trust her at this time, is going to stab Amran 
yeah, he's kind of being protective, but I think he's holding it not to be threatening because he can't threaten Amran. The only person who could ever go against Amran was more. As is not more. I think he's just holding it because that's what he do, does when people are talking, when he's trying to gauge if they're telling the truth. He does it, he holds onto it in interrogation rooms. We know that people cringe from it and its abilities to pull truth out of people. I think that he's he's listen, he's trying to feel for warm or cold. Is she telling the truth? Can we trust her? In Akafas 7, Reese says, as ran a thumb down truth teller's black hilt, the silver runes, the dark scabbard shimmering in the light. What of the human queens? This whole conversation in, in this scene, which is actually a really great chapter if you want to go back and get little Easter eggs, I suggest this chapter in particular. I think that he's holding on to Truth Teller because they're talking a, about a lot of ambiguous things and Az is kind of trying to gauge yes, no kind of thing. Trying to see what kind of double-edged information he can gather. And I think Truth Teller is one of those items that gives him information. In Akasif 68, when Nesta is in the blood rite, but they're in the human realms trying to track Iris. Cassian is kind of losing his mind. He's like, what if they're dead? What if they're dead? In the, the scene, as goes, she's not. She's not dead. And Cassian goes, how would you know? When he's ta- when they're talking, Azriel sharpened truth teller. The black hilt absorbed the dim sunlight trickling through the forest canopy. How would he know Ness isn't dead with certainty? Because if Cassian's saying Nesta's dead and then truth teller's hilt goes cold, Az would be like, no, she's not dead because Truth Teller's hilt is cold, because Truth Teller would know if she was dead, because it would know if he was telling the truth or not. <laughs> but, so we can kind of see all of this mirrored in Queen of Shadows 50, the god of truth. She drew Damaris from across her back. Rowan tensed. What is it? She examined the flawless blade, the sword of truth. That's what they called Damaris. Truth Teller? Sword of truth? Mm. Legend says the bear, Gavin, could see the truth when he wielded it. Hmm. And Mala blessed Brannon, and she blessed Goldrin. She peered into the gloom. What if there was a truth god, a sin eater? And what if he blessed Gavin and his sword? Rowan now stared towards the ancient darkness. You think Gavin used this temple? In Koa 7, we get this. Dorian kept his face blandly pleasant, his hand resting on the eye-shaped pommel of Damaris. This camp has no clues about where they went. He knew they hadn't had the faintest notion, knew it, but waited for their answer anyways, trying not to grip Damaris's pommel too hard. No, Manon said with a hint of a growl. Yet Damaris gave no answer beyond a hint of warmth in the middle. He didn't know what he expected. Some varying hum of power, a confirming voice in his mind, certainly not the unimpressive whisper of heat. Heat for truth, likely cold for lies. But at least Gavin had spoken true about the blade. He wouldn't have doubted it, considering the god Gavin still honored. Okay. Fine, Lillian. So, truth teller tells the truth. That doesn't mean he made a blood oath with the bone carver. No. No. But, Azrael hears the shadows, wind, and stone, right? We, we went through all of that already. Those three words, or those three words, wind, d- shadow, stone, right? Akawar 22, they're in the prison. They're talking to the bone carver, and he says this. What if I tell you that the rock 
and darkness and sea beyond whisper to me, Lord of bloodshed. How they shudder in fear on that island across the sea. How they tremble when she emerged. She took something, something precious. She ripped it out with her teeth. Later in that chapter, he says how the wind moans her name. Nesta, Nesta, Nesta. The rock, the darkness, and the wind. That is what the bone carver is hearing. That is what Azrael hears. Okay, fine, 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 Lillian. That's still not enough. What if he just has the same abilities as him? Fine, fine, fine. Azrael is the only one who refers to the gods. He even prays to them one time. And we'll get to it in a second. He is so reverent, especially about the death gods, okay? In Akamath 19, it says, With your abilities, Pharaoh, you might be able to find half of the book at the summer court and break the words around it. But I'm not going to take the carver's word for it or bring you there without testing you first to make sure that when it counts, when we need to look for the book, you, we, do not fail. So we're going to on another little trip to see if you can find a valuable object of mine that I've been missing for a considerably long time. Shit, Moore said, plunging her hands into the thick folds of her sweater. Where, I managed to say. It was Azriel who answered. To the weaver. Who is the weaver, I pushed. An ancient, wicked creature, Azriel said, and I surveyed the faint scar in his wings, his neck, and wondered how many such things he had encountered in his immortal life, if they were any worse than the people who had shared blood ties with him. Who should remain unbothered, he added in Reese's direction. Find another way to test his abilities. Azriel was the first one to offer to go to the prison. Azriel knows more, knows more, respects, and has a healthy amount of fear for the, for the weaver. In Akasif, Azriel is the one who answers all of the questions about Koshi, and he answers them before Amran gives up any information. Azriel knows about Koshi. Koshi knows about Azriel. But that doesn't mean he's like reverent about the gods, Lillian. <laughs> Akasif 29. Holy gods, as breathed. As also has a healthy amount of respect and fear for the Ord. He also has a healthy amount of respect and reverence and fear for when Nesta comes out of the Ord with the mask in Akasif 36. Azriel also, he, he always says like, holy gods. He says it quite a few times. He only mentions the mother once and he always refers to the forgotten gods. And those forgotten gods, the bone carver, Koshi, and Striga were them, like part of them, part of that group. <laughs> in Akasif 42, he even prays. I'd love to know what he prays. It could be a little bit of a joke, but I'm throwing it in here because it's theory mode and I'm allowed to use whatever ridiculousness I want for my theories. In Akasif 42, when they're going to look at the blades that Nesta made after Amran had worn them, Cassian says, Amran's not here, Cassian said, smirking. And we don't need to touch them, he tapped Reese on the shoulder. Use that fancy magic to unsheath them. Reese lifted his head. This is a bad idea, Cassian winked. That should be written on the night court crest. A few stars blinked into existence in Reese's eyes. Azriel muttered a prayer. Azriel also can sense when a larger force is in the training ring 
when Nesta and the girls cut the ribbon. It says in Acts 60, Azrael went wholly still, as if he too had felt the shift, as if he too were aware of that far larger forces peered into the training ring. Happens again earlier as well. When they go up against Koshi, he says, this place, it feels old. It reminds me of the middle. And then finally, just to tie it all together, just to tie as back to the bone carver as we continue to do, it says, Asriel pinned that icy, all-seeing stare on Kier. So, basically, Asriel is the only one who still holds faith in the old gods. He can hear the same things that the bone carver can hear. He knows about the bone carver's siblings, and the bone carver's siblings surely know about him. We talked about it last week with Koshi preparing for him. Elaine also says that Koshi is, no, no, that is all mist and shadow regarding Koshi. Reese speculates that Az gets his shadow singing ability from a lightless, airless, dark prison. Where is the bone carver in a lightless, airless, dark prison? We've drawn on the podcast, drawn conclusions between the bone carver's death wind and Lorcan's wind, dark wind. Lorcan is also sometimes people think that he could be a shadow singer. We know that Lorcan can kind of sense death. We know that Azriel can kind of sense death as well. He knew when, like with Nesta, he knew that the deathness about her. No, that doesn't really mean he had like a blood oath to him, but I kind of, I desperately want to see one of two things with Azriel. I either want to see a blood oath with Azriel, or I would like to see a Karanam bond with him. That doesn't have to, the Karanam bond doesn't have to do with that, do with the bone carver, but I just really want it, um, just from him in general. I don't know. Again, I just want, I keep like, I keep circling around the bone carver and with Az, and Az like has basically alluded that he like, he's, he goes to prison somewhat regularly, even though they don't put people in the prison very often. So what was he doing in the prison? We also know that Reese and them have visited the Bone Carver multiple times before. Where did you get Bone? Like, where did he get the truth? Like, where did, how did he find Truth Teller? We never learn, but he has it and nobody knows where it came from. Why is Reese never, why is Reese never asked him? My next theory kind of comes from the live event and which Jennifer had asked Sarah, Jennifer who was on the podcast earlier or a few weeks ago, she had asked Sarah that if because light singers have a second form, did that mean that shadow singers could have a second form? And Sarah smirked and she just kind of said she loves careful reading. She did not answer the question, but she was like, I like careful reading. So, mm. I made a TikTok earlier this week talking about maybe the Illyrians being tied to dragons. I think it's pretty much alluded to the Illyrians having another form, but maybe they're trapped, bound to their bodies for some reason. Maybe they used to have forms, but it's been bred out of them over time and only their wings are left. So it could be dragons, could it be waverns? Could he have a different form than the other Illyrians because he's a shadow singer? Excellent question. Cass says, as can Winna, or they say, or Nesta and Cassian in Akasif 16, they're talking about as, and she says, as can Winna all the time, though. And then Cassian says, as is different in a lot of ways. His tone didn't invite her for further questioning. So he is different. There is this tiny little, like, moment in Akamath 63 where 
Jurian is taunting Moore, and he says, you are always such a liar, Morgan. And Asriel growled, the sound unlike any I'd heard from him before. A growl is kind of like an animalistic sound, so I don't know. So throughout this whole episode, I've been like, Demetis and Shadow Singers, and then I've been kind of like hinting towards like Reese and Az, like similarities. I think that Az and Reese might be related. I don't, not sure how distantly related, not sure how closely related, but I think they could come from a similar line. We learn that in Akimaf 16 that Reese's mother had known Az's mother and that's why she took him in. That's a stretch, but still, how did they know each other? Were they cousins? Did they, uh, how did they know each other, really? In Akifast 7, in Reese's perspective, he says, As nodded knowingly, he had always understood me best, more than the others, save for my mate. Whether it was his gifts that allowed him to do so, sounds like a dramatic, or merely the fact that he and I were more similar than most realized. I had never learned. Classic, classic foreshadowing. The fact that him and I were more similar than most realized. Hmm. We talked about Az and Reese and their cold touch when they use their quote-unquote darker gifts. In Aquar 45, both of them are able to work their magic when they shouldn't be able to. So when Az breaks through with his shadows and is able to choke out Iris, and then when Reese is able to shut up Tamlin, something that none of the other High Lords should be able to do, but Reese is different than the others, just as Asriel is different than anyone else. Mm. I don't have much to say on the theory, but I think that maybe, well, I do actually have a lot to say. <laughs> it's no secret, I think that Reese is Valg. I've talked about it a hundred times, I'll probably continue to keep talking about it, but I think that that might be where their shared bloodline might come from, is a Valg bloodline that they both share somehow. Don't know how, not sure how, but I think it's there. A lot of people have kind of been questioning if Reese or Az might be a prince of hell. I don't see that just because we know that the princes of hell are somewhat in cahoots with each other. They have been, they were 1500 years ago. It seems like they're the same princes as the 1500 years ago. We know that the boys are only 500 years old. I think that the, that Reese and Az are probably Valg. That's not to say that Valg aren't princes of hell, because that is a question I've been turning around and we've been kind of going back and forth on. But I kind of just think that, if nothing else, I think they're Valg. And that might be where their darker powers come from. My last theory is kind of a, a sad one, but it also plays into with... <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of similarities between Rune and Az, as there are a lot of similarities between Rune and Reese. Again, Reese and Az. Um, and I hesitate to really talk about, like, the Reese and Az thing because I don't want to, like, think that I'm alienating Cassian, but I truly don't think that even if Reese and Az did somehow share blood, that it would in any way change their relationship with Cassian, that Cassian would be any less of a brother to them. So I, I just want to say, like, I'm not trying to, like, alienate Cassian from this conversation, okay? But anyways, my last theory before I move on to my final questions and ending whatever, because this has been going on for a long time. I kind of question if Azriel can have children. 
just like how Rune kind of questions if he can have children. And it comes from this one little moment in Act of 21, right after they found out about Reese and Fair having Nyx. Cassian looks over at Az. Do you think you'll ever be ready to have one? Ever be ready to confess to more what's on your heart? He says to himself. I don't know, Az said. Do you want a child? It doesn't matter what I want. Distant words. Ones that prevented Cassian from prying further. He'd still be happy to be Moore's buffer with Asriel, but there had been a change lately in both of them. Moore no longer sat beside Cassian, draped herself over him, and Asriel... Those longing glances toward her had become few and far between, as if he had given up. After five hundred years, he somehow given up. Cassian couldn't think why. It doesn't matter what I want. I just... It's just such a weird way to say that. Because I don't think... Asriel ever, like, had, I don't know, it could be because he doesn't think he'll ever get to be with more, but, like, that doesn't mean he can't have a kid with somebody else, like, I don't know. I kind of just, like, there's a, there's a conversation with Rune maybe being infertile. Maybe Az is, too. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. I don't really want to talk that deep into it, but I just want to bring it up that it's something that I question. And speaking of questions, let's get into my final questions. There's not a lot. I'm not going to hold any more of your time than I desperately have to, but I just want to wrap up Asriel's character deep dive so we can move on to other things. I really don't have a lot, surprisingly, of, like, just questions, but there are a few of them. In Akamath 61, it says, The passage ahead was dark, silent. Asriel appeared a heartbeat later. Guards are down. There was blood on his knife, an ash knife. Asriel's cold eyes met mine. Hurry. I think it's interesting that he wasn't using truth teller. He was using an ash knife. Where did he get an ash knife? Does he keep this ash knife on him all the time? It's never brought up again. I don't know. My biggest question, and this has nothing to do with ships, but it, it has to do with Elaine, is in Aquar 27, Asriel is the one who prods Elaine and gets her to kind of admit that she was seeing something. And something sparks him, something familiar sparks him in Act War 27. He's kind of, he's prodding Elaine along, trying to gauge, like, what's going on in her head. And then Farrah says, I faced Asriel, exposing my palms to him. What does it mean? Asriel's hazeled eyes churned as he studied my sister, her too thin body. Without a word, he winnowed away. Moore watched the space where he had been standing long after he was gone. <sighs> where did he go? What did he see? There's been a theory, uh, I think it's Rosie's, that's been kind of going around and that his mother might be a seer or a mystic and so he might have known what to look out for. Does he know other seers and he like goes to, to like double check with them and like see like, hey, I have a friend who's going through something. Does this sound like what you were going through? How can I like whatever? You could say maybe he went to go check on some of the information that he she had said beforehand but it never says. It literally just says he disappears, and then he comes back, like, a chapter later, and he's like, the cauldron made you a seer. I know what you are. How does he know? Where did he go? Who did he ask? Did he see the bone carver? Did he go ask his death god? <laughs> That's it. That's the only question. I just want to know where did he go? How did he know, and where did he go? Does he know other seers, basically, is what I want to know. I want to, um, the, la the last thing I want to talk about before we end is just a few things that Sarah has said in lives and in interviews about Asriel. 
Sarah's friend Steph is the one who usually interviews her, and Steph asked Sarah if his endgame could have the birthday of January 15th, her birthday. I did, in fact, spend a whole afternoon trudging through timelines to potentially see if a certain someone who we know was conceived on a certain date would line up with this. And I found that Sarah timeline in Akatar to the timeline that's um, brought up throughout the rest of the books is actually not cohesive and is actually unreliable. One of these people that in the ship, I'm trying to do this so delicately um, because I don't want to ever talk about ships with people, <laughs> but I do want, I am thorough. I am nothing if not thorough, right? And for the sake of being thorough, I just want to admit to this. I did look into it. I'm human. Of course, I'm curious. Mm. Calamai, hang on. I'm going to, because I know you're all going to be like, oh my gosh, she's actually talking about ships. Here, my notebook. I did literal notes on this. So if there is a birthday of January 15th and Faye pregnancies are 10 months long, they would have to have been conceived between the end end of February to beginning of April, sometime in between there. But February would be pretty early and April would be kind of late. So it would have to be in March, basically. We know that Starfall happens early spring, sometime like early, early spring, like basically cusp between spring and winter. We have the blood rite that happens early spring as well. Ninzir, the minor spring holiday, happens around the same time as Starfall. And it is the ending of seeding the fields and passing out the first flowers. So that has to happen after a frost, right? Because they have to, the, the ground has to thaw before spring. The first day of spring this year is March 20th, okay? So that's the first day of spring. You can still have snowstorms in spring, but what does that mean about Calamai? Well, we know in Akamath 55, because of Akwar 3, <laughs> like I said, I did a lot of research. I did dig, I did digging, okay? I swear to you, I am thorough, and you know, for the first time in my life, I'll be a little bit candid with you guys on mates. Recent, but I'm only going to be candid because at the end of this, we're, you're going to get a whole lot of no answer, okay? You're going to get a whole lot of no answer. This is why I'm going to be candid with you guys. In Akamath 55, Reese and Farah do celebrate the rite. They celebrate the first time they get together is in Calamai, the day that they solidify their mating bond. In Akamath 50, right before they, before she, right before she finds out that Reese is I think it's right before she finds out that Reese is her mate. In Akawar 50, it says it was one year since Farah had um, crossed the wall. The problem is, in Akawar 19, Farah said it had been weeks that had passed that she had crossed the wall in spring in Akawar 19 to Akawar 20, which is when Calamai happens. So basically, Sarah said, screw you, Lillian. And I said, cool, Sarah. Timeline means nothing. Be, and you're like, what, is that? what do you mean? It means nothing. It means, so Farah had already spent weeks in spring in Akwar 19. Then, like, two days later, it's Calamai. So, 
for them to have, for her to have been one year since she had crossed the wall in Akamath 50, and in Akamath chapter 55, when they are supposed to be celebrating Kalamai, it was only a few days. She was only, I think it was like three-ish days that she was alone in the cabin before Reese goes back to talk to her and clear the air. So, timeline says, you will know nothing. <laughs> and to be fair, we don't really know, you know, we know that just human pregnancies, twins typically go early, for the most part. When is a twin? So, basically, um, yeah, screw us. We don't, we know when Nesta's birthday is, we know when Farrah's birthday is, but we don't know when Elaine's birthday is. We don't know when Briar's birthday is. We don't know when Iris's birthday is. We don't know when Koshi's birthday is. We don't know when Adis's birthday is. We don't know when Fenris's birthday is. So, any of those people could have been born on January 15th. <laughs> Sarah had also said that he is a freak in bed, but, and this is a direct quote, um, he's a freak in bed in a good and holy shit that's hot kind of way, which thanks Sarah for that to plague us. In 2020, Sarah said she was excited to write as his journey. I am severely hoping that while I love girl power and maybe this is like unfeminist of me, but I really would love to have a male-centered book uh, in the Akatar series. We get that with Tower of Dawn. Um, we, I just, I think I would really value, I, I would really value a book um, in maybe even in all three of the boys' perspectives. Particularly, I would really love either Reese's perspective, a book in Reese's perspective, or a book in Az's perspective, because Cassian really gets 50-50 in Akasif. So I really kind of hope that um, when she does write Az's journey that it'll be like really his own book and really his own journey. I would, I would desperately love that. Sarah is obsessed with him. Um, like she admits it to herself she's obsessed with him, which kind of gives me hope that he is not evil because she is obsessed with Reese. Reese, I don't know, she talks about Reese in a very loving way. She talks about Az in a very loving way. So I think I have him hope into that. She says that she thinks of him when she hears the song Mr. Brightside, which slay me Sarah. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. And then Steph had asked if shadow, if Az's shadows are sentient, and Sarah said that we will find out when it's time for his story to be told. But as we see in that, this was before Akasif came out, or it was like the launch of Akasif, so they weren't really spoiling Akasif, so we do have a bonus chapter now, and it does say that his shadows sleep, and that, um, so if they sleep, they get tired, and sentient things get tired, so, yeah. And then she did say that we can expect a scene of Azriel singing sometime in the future, and that's kind of where I want to leave this, is, again, with what Reese says about Az, like, to hope when the world says despair, which still, that quote just catches my throat, um, I think that, Azriel's journey is going to probably kill me, most likely. It'll probably be the most emotional thing that I'll ever read. Um, but I think that there is so much to look forward to. And yes, we learn a lot about Azriel. We know how his shadows act. We know how he acts with his shadows. We can kind of see him doing mind-to-mind -mind talking. There's so much play with him. There's so much question with him. But I think that's what I love about his story is that 
there is so much to look forward to. And she says that she left a lots of hints for Az's story weaved in in through Akasif and through Akafas. And we know that there's actually going to be an overarching plot that's told through different couples' perspectives for the next Akatar books. I think that plot's going to be having to do with Koshi and the other... We know that there might be another battle coming up because they've been alluding to building the Valkyrie army and all that stuff. You don't just build an army for no reason. So I think that's going to be the overarching plot. I think it might start with... She mentioned how she has an idea to bridge Akasif to the next Akatar book, and it was a novella. I'm pretty sure we might get, like, a more novella, but I don't know. It'll, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, how love interests fall out. But she did say that she wants the overarching story to be told throughout other couples' perspectives. She's also said that Nesta's story isn't done. We also know that Nesta and Reese are going to have to deal with consequences, so there's tons of play. There's a lot of content still left in Agatar, and sometimes it can kind of feel like done, especially in the shadow of Hosab. Like, it feels like it's been cut, um, but it really hasn't. And I think you can really see that in the hope and the future and all these fun questions of Asriel and the journey that we still have left to take with him. I love Asriel. I, I really do. I, I kind of wish I didn't just, I, you know, I could do four episodes on him easily, easily. But yeah, I think that my final thoughts on Az is that he's a very bright future ahead of him. He has nothing, he, there might be a little bit more trial left for him, a little bit more hurt left for him, but I think after that, he is going to be golden. He's going to be the happiest boy in the land, and I can't wait for that. I will say this. Asriel says it. I think it. I do not think his shadows are ever going to leave him. I don't think they're a sign of his trauma. I don't think they're a metaphor. I think they are his, and he is theirs, and they love him. I think his shadows love him, and I think he loves his shadows. He says that as they always they're with him as they always have been, as they always will be. I don't think that is anything ominous. I think that is him just being like, they are mine and I am theirs. And I love that. I don't want Azriel to stop being a shadow singer. I don't want Az to stop being kind of psychopathy just because he gets a love interest. I want him to hone that for his love interest. I would love for Sarah to write a really dark, not dark romance, but you know how in dark romances, like, there's this moment when, like, they go from crazy in general to crazy for them, and I want that with Az, like, touch her and die vibes with him, you know? Consensual. Touch her un without consent and die kind of thing, because I do think that he would allow his woman to be free and happy and do whatever she wants. But yeah, that's Az. I do not know what we're going to be talking about next week as of right now, um probably something fairly light after all this hard um episode stuff but I'm not sure exactly what yet so it'll be a surprise for you and me <laughs> but until then thank you so much um all of my as notes will be on the patreon eventually I am behind but it is coming 
So if you want to do your own character deep dive on as with my notes and come to your own conclusions and theories, they will be on the Patreon relatively soon, hopefully by the end of this month, if I can get my stuff together. And that's all. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me ramble. Hopefully I was somewhat cohesive. I tried my very best to keep these notes as like clear and concise, but I knew there's a lot to talk about this week. So we'll see how it goes and play back. But thank you and goodbye.